0: at 206 I got something for your mind, body, and soul. I got something for your mind, body, and soul.
1: Found the bystander podcast. Now here's your host with the most, Tiny Tim.
0: What's good, Podcastville? Happy generic time of day to you. We are back on the air. I'd like to thank Blue Canary Auto um, and the people that donated coats over the Christmas season. We gave out over 50 coats hats and socks to homeless people directly on the streets of Seattle. So thank you for all the listeners that brought that in to Blue Canary. I'd also like to give a shout out to Sound in the Pavilion for sponsoring the show. And you, of course, can donate through Patreon for as little as $5 a day. Today, my guest is from Alchemy Industries and Monkey Wrench, our community member, Jeremy Lurch. How are you doing today? Not too bad. <clears throat> Good to have you here, and thank you for helping helping me with all my technical difficulties oh, before we got on air. Um, you're a jack of all trades, yeah? Um, <clears throat> by necessity. <laughs> yeah. Um, Jeremy and I go way back, and uh, he has a love for all things vocational, welding, foundry, fabrication, um, teaching. My father was a vocational teacher, among other things, and... Uh, as I see, the school system has really gone away from welding and vocational electri- training electricians, all kinds of things for the people that perhaps you know a four-year college doesn't fit. You have a teaching background in Seattle, and you've taught here on the island in the community um, at your private residence. And um, tell me a little bit of, about the history of how that all evolved, that you went from regular school teacher to seeing the necessity in vocational teaching and making something happen for the for the youth and adults here on the in our community
1: um well honestly, it was kind of a happy accident um, originally moved to the island um, when my oldest was born, he was now sixteen and um, <clears throat> I was fortunate enough to be pretty much a stay at home dad for you know like as it happened three kids one after the next um but the reality of it was is i really missed teaching and discovered very quickly that my children were very to a certain degree unfortunately a lot like their father and had to be engaged otherwise you'd come into the room and they'd taken apart the dvd player so you know um and um i had a nice shop it was more of a hobby you know in the evenings um And then one day I got a phone call from Hila of all people and they somehow heard that I was doing blacksmithing and they brought over a crew of kids and we blacksmithed in the shop. And that was kind of the I need to be doing this more Mm -hmm. Um, because the kids loved it. But um, more selfish reasons, it was like, gosh, I didn't realize how much I missed this and how much enjoyment I get out of this. I mean, I loved being with my kids all the time um but it was one of those things where i realized well this is why i've been a, probably a little grumpy i've been missing something i didn't know what it was until that kind of happened and from there it just kind of took root well, you have a plethora of skills that i know of welding and and uh, blacksmithing what are some of the talents that you have um, I mean, I wouldn't call them talents. It's one of those things when, when you don't have money and you need something done, you, you have to figure it out yourself. So, you know, like I like to say, it's like, you know, I've played an electrician and plumber on TV, um, general contractor. Um, I focus on uh, like my for-profit monkey wrenches, metal, custom metal fabrication. Um, I like to focus more on the... Artistic creative side of it, which is generally why most of the folks that call me are, uh, conversation starts off. Oh, we have an interesting situation.
0: <laughs>
1: Can you come down and look at this? You know, like the latest was the, uh, soon to be, uh, new Kobe police station. Mm. We have a, we have an issue. Can you come down and look at this? And it was just kind of like, ooh, yeah. Is it too much? I'm like, well, no. I mean, there's always a solution. We just need to figure out what it is mm-hmm. <laughs> and then have an engineer sign off on it. Yeah. So.
0: What are some of the projects you've done around town? I know you uh, recently put in the staircase at the old laundry mat that's getting remodeled.
1: Yeah, I helped with that. Um, that. Funnily enough, the primary, I got brought in after the fact um, – uh uh Rosario sound welding did the majority of the fabrication but they were working out of my shop and then I assisted with them and um Dwayne is a phenomenal man and what I love most about working with him is is he was actually my welding instructor, instructor 20 years ago
0: wow he's still doing it
1: oh he's still doing it he's 72 up on a ladder of like 8 hours without stopping you know like and just the nicest guy. So that was more me volunteering my equipment and expertise and stairs and cable railing and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, goofy install stuff, again, where it's like, how do we get this small I-beam in this little hole? You know, like, well, this is what we'll do. So it's um, – uh, I guess – specialty for me with what i do would be out of the box thinking you know like macgyvering yeah. stuff into place so. <laughs> welding with gum
0: yeah <laughs> um i was in some open house i forget where on the south end of the island but there was a whole wrought iron um balcony inside the the house mm-hmm. and uh, apparently you had done that it was quite beautiful Yeah, Um, had some fake birds on it and stuff like that.
1: Yeah, the birds were a little uh, kitschy country for me, but they um, uh, all the pickets and stuff were hand blacksmith and bent, and then the ivy work and everything. So yeah, the ivy work. Yeah, looking at
0: that, that was unique. It's not something you walk into a house and see.
1: No, and it's not something you get to do very often because that was just strictly all blacksmithing, which is. You know, like they say, blacksmiths can make anything except for money. And, you know, like.
0: (laughs) It's like a shoe cobbler that makes bespoke shoes. Yeah. They're absolutely beautiful. And
1: uh, those are more labor of love. And I get a lot of enjoyment from doing it um, mm -hmm. because it's a very organic process of forming metal, traditional manner, you know, hammer and an anvil, a lot of heat. (laughs) (laughs) You, You romanticize it. I like that. Well, there's the other way, you know, like, uh, you hit it like it owes you money, you know, yeah, like, d- <laughs> depends on how you want to look at it. <laughs> how thick it is. You no. Know?
0: Hey, I've I've been to your shop and your property and, um, you know, one regret is my dad didn't live to see it because he would have been very impressed with your um, ADUs and, and such. You basically had taken, uh, what do you call those, carrier boxes from Con- trains, Connex boxes. Like, yeah. Yeah. Put those together like Legos and uh, built a large shop in three weeks out of necessity. Very cool and, <laughs> so. and different wings to it. And uh, you have what some motorcycle stuff hanging from the ceiling, too, kind of like making it a little like a museum as well, which I thought was a nice touch. And uh, yeah, my
1: first full custom motorcycle I ever built up there, and my very last, um, you know, they're up there on display because it's. And
0: and you have some riding trails for the kids for um, BMX and um, motorcycles and stuff like that.
1: Yeah, not uh, not great for motors for dirt bikes because it's small. But like the BMX and the mountain bikes and stuff, um, and it's safe and out of the way. So you know they've built little um, dirt berms and and stuff like that. Yeah, and I enjoy watching them do it because I can't do it anymore. You know, it's like living vicariously.
0: And then you have some uh, big boy Tonka trucks, too, right, where you can play in the dirt and move things around?
1: Yep. yeah, Antiquated old tractors and things that I've acquired over time that were other people's garbage and just bring them back to life. And, you know, and there's uh, the vehicle stuff is like I don't really do that for business. It's more of a. Hobby type thing? Yeah, like things I love. But then with the technology now, like doing electric conversions on vintage cars, I've started doing that. And it's, it's just really cool process to take something that's leaking oil and fuel and inefficient. <laughs> and, you know, like doing a 1968 Volvo station wagon and it's just an island car, but full electric conversion, give right. it a new life.
0: Very cool. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, you had the fire-breathing Jake's pickup
1: truck at the parade one year, right? Yep. <laughs> that, how did that spawn? Um, that was a culmination of leftover parts because that, that used to be my truck, mm-hmm. and it was just sitting, and Jake was talking about wanting a truck and this and that, so I gave it to him because it sat in my yard for two years and I wasn't using it. And um, what it was was somebody gave me an old Jeep Cherokee Um that the body was completely rotted out of it was like an Idaho car you know mm-hmm. you could flintstone car and then i had a um, frame and a cab off of an old 1948 gmc truck so i took all the jeep stuff and i put it underneath the gmc truck and that's how that thing came to be just leftover leftover parts
0: now it's, it's- iconic and it runs yeah <laughs> <laughs> i guess kind of the here, here's a piece of junk. Um, I'm gonna give it to you. You know, if it ever needs fixing, come here. I'll charge you double. <laughs> Is that yeah. how it works? <laughs> <laughs> Not for Jake. Um, so, um, tell me a little bit about the class history on your property, where you've had numerous after-school programs, um, weld, teaching welding to kids. Um, Speak a little bit upon that. Um, The after-school
1: stuff has mostly been like after-school Tuesdays and Thursdays, and um, I call it build-destroy-build, and it's not anything specific skill-wise. I mean it encompasses uh, MIG welding and TIG welding and blacksmithing, um, tool-making, metal shaping, um, and it's uh, more of a first-class, sit down with the kid, talk about what they want to build – And so it's project-based learning. And so once they have a plan, then you teach them the skills to build the thing so then they're invested in it. It's not just like –
0: You don't have a curriculum. You say, hey, tell me what you want to make and let's make it.
1: Well, you know, it's kind of tricking the kid into learning. You know, it's like I have a curriculum and specifics, but you base that curriculum around the kid's project to make it deemable to them so they don't get bored. You know, What's
0: what's the craziest project a kid is – came up with towards you
1: um gosh uh, that's hard to say like we've done probably the most ridiculous was taking this um, kid Mason had a 1972 Ford truck just not even a whole truck and built this crazy flatbed mud Tahuya mud truck craziness out of it. You know, custom bumpers, bed lit. You know, like and completely tore the motor down, rebuilt it, and it's like it's not that crazy. But at the time, he was 12 years old, mm. um, and completely invested in it. You know, that was going to be his truck. Yep, it was going to be his truck, and he still has it. So, when he's 20. What, oh my gosh, he's 21 now. So, mm-hmm. you know, um, so you do get those big projects, but then you also get. Stuff where it's just like, I want to build a flamethrower. I'm like, uh, we need to have a discussion with your parents before I agree to show you how to do that. You know, things like that. Um, Or I had a kid, um, private school kid, spent all, almost a whole year, made a full-size traditional English broadsword. And it was beautiful. Wow. Um, Like, just beautiful. The only problem was is the kid was 13. And by the time he was done, he could barely pick it up. <laughs> you know, because it was so – like, just this – Little tiny kid. Yeah. And I, the thing was almost as tall as he was. But it was to like historically accurate in size and weight. And he spent almost a year working on that. It was it, just phenomenal. So Very cool. Yeah.
0: What's going on over there at Alchemy Industries right now, class-wise?
1: Uh, not a whole lot. We are in transition and have a beautiful space now um, down at the Day Road Commercial Park.
0: Tell me exactly where that is uh I know
1: where Day Road
0: is. Is that the first turn past the power grid thing?
1: Um so if you go down Day Road past where um like Bainbridge Builders and um Paper and Leaf is on the right. It's the next industrial park down the road on okay. the left hand side.
0: Just past uh Manzanita Park is it?
1: Um not quite just past like AGS uh stainless um right across the street from Manzanita Park the driveway is
0: yeah 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 um um that's a relatively new complex, five years or so.
1: Oh, no, that's that's the one on the right. I'm on the left. Oh, okay. And yeah, then, Dave Christensen's place is on the right. Um, near
0: um, the I'm, yoga house and... Uh,
1: I am literally underneath Bethany's gym. Okay. Um, the CrossFit or what, I don't know what it's called now. Um,
0: oh, she's out of um, Copper Top now? She's gone from there? She has a new location?
1: Um, I don't think she was ever in Copper Top. Um, she's down in that location. She's got like giant, like seven thousand square feet, mm. beautiful space. But I'm in the space below hers. Um, and a, a nice size, twenty five hundred square feet.
0: And did you have to also, retrofit that, or you just got to move into op- open space there?
1: No, no, it was compartmentalized and. uh it, Iggy's and Brendan had it before us. So it Are oh, the kombucha guys? Yep. Smell a lot like kombucha and sauerkraut. <laughs> and so we opened it all up so we can have like the, the welding and then the little kids, uh, like five to eight. I run like kinetics, electronics classes. And oh, cool. Then the blacksmithing and then the foundry, you know, bronze casting. So they're all nice, big space is purpose built so it's not like a multi-use space anymore which is awesome um the best part is is there's no uh sound ordinance down there 24 7
0: yeah plus plus you have somebody throwing around uh crossfit weights above you right and screaming yeah. and being motivated exactly so, so, perfect so perfect neighbors
1: yep so also hoping you know like given the uh the noise ordinance or the lack thereof i've always wanted to do like Art shows and live music, and get some of my um, freak friends to come down from Bellingham, who are like fire breathers, and you know, and like just mm-hmm. fun, you know. Jeremy's freak different. show, yeah, pretty much. Let's do <laughs> so, it.
0: I'll promote it. So, so um, I and I wanted to bring you here because I had heard a little bit of bad news um, about your move because I had I had loved what you had built most. Well, Probably still there, are you? mm-hmm. but you've apparently been displaced from teaching at your original facility because of a neighbor complaint, and um, the city has backed the neighbor, and now you've been forced to put out a lot of money out of pocket to relocate, restart, and uh, just knowing, you know, what my dad went through to get tools and to fix tools, and you know, things break. And supplies and welding rods, you know, it all starts adding up.
1: Oh, yeah. And then,
0: you, you you know, you have desks and classroom and your time and then you have additional instructors. Vocational skills have gone by the wayside. They're not as encouraged as they were back when we were growing up in the 80s. Um, if we ever grew up. No, I'm we'll still be, emotionally about 13. Yeah, so. let's put that asterisk <laughs> by our names real quick. Um, so... Tell me exactly how that went down, and what are the needs to keep this flowing? Because I understand that you have a, a beautiful new spot, um, but money's got to be tight. I know it was somewhat tight before, and this is a, a labor of love that you're really giving back to the community and and giving kids an alternative to you know the run of the mill stuff that they're offered elsewhere.
1: Um. You know, it's it's unfortunate. Like I said, it's it's been, um, you know, I, I honestly, like, I, I'm going to not go down the road of speaking ill will and try to take the high road, so to speak. But, you know, um, persistently complaining about um, the school and the business on the property for eight years. The city needed to do something because there was possible liability of them being sued by an individual if they didn't and that's the unfortunate part about politics like so there's a very very uh single line gray area where running a um institution on a property is legal as long as you have direct access to a major road like wardwell
0: so you have a shared driveway on a dead end is that
1: so it's not a shared driveway i have a legal easement because my three acres is you know uh, not directly connected so i have a legal easement Mm -hmm. so technically i don't have on my property direct access to wardwell
0: what does the legal easement exactly mean
1: um it's filed with the uh with kitsap That um, I have a uh, legal right egress to cross this portion of the property to get to um, to get to Wardwell,
0: but the but the city has the,
1: the ability to scale back some of
0: that easement at any
1: time, correct? No, no, nope, nobody can. That's, so. What's
0: the issue? I don't
1: understand. Technically, my property does not have direct access to Wardwell.
0: It's an See, easement, not a direct. Accent.
1: So it's a gray area that I could, you know, like there could be. It, it's like when I posted that, I had a number of individuals who were lawyers, like we're going to do this, we're going to, you know, I'm like, I, you know, I don't want to do that. That's
0: well, you I, don't want to move and go bankrupt either, Jeremy. No, I know, but you
1: know, the reality of it is, is like looking at the good, the good side of things is now that I have moved and I have a designated twenty five hundred square feet of teaching space for alchemy without any traffic limitations or any issues, Mm -hmm. I can really now grow this into a, like my dream of a school. And to be quite frank, like once that dream comes to fruition, because I'm going to push and push and work my ass off and make it happen. And I, I get to the point where I can actually make a living on it. Mm -hmm. Monkey wrench goes away.
0: Because you'd prefer to not be in the industry, you'd prefer to teach.
1: Yeah, that's that's where I want to be. I want to be back teaching, mm-hmm. you know. Um, the way I run Monkey Ranch, like, I still have kids volunteer and interns, so there's still that learning process. But, you know, there's all the paperwork as employee, intern kind of stuff. And it's always temporary, you know, like short-term kind of thing, which is fine. So you're still getting kids coming through, seeing the practical application, and and excited um but it's not alchemy you mm-hmm. know what i mean it's not designated teaching space and so now now i'm going to have that
0: i remember at a time you said that monkey wrench was supporting your school you yeah. were you're going to do to, to your day job working your ass off so you could provide classes for the school that you how you how long you been running this um eight years eight years that so, you know is your passion project for sure and yeah. Now you have a standalone space, and I guess the thing that we got to look forward to now is exciting kids and get get them enrolled and um, you know having some projects out there.
1: No, exactly. Um, and that's we're, we've renovated, um, and it's just like me and a couple friends, like after hours down there, just you know pulling fourteen, sixteen hour days getting it done and and we are um
0: we should set up a tour for the public i i just said that out loud i don't know if that's something no that it's i want was. Uh,
1: you know it's definitely something i want to do once we're a little more polished and you know it's still a little construction zoney ish so not really safe for your general folks yet but here another week we'll be throwing paint up on the walls and It'll be a beautiful, presentable space where people can come and see, you know, how it's going to function. And, um, and yeah, and I was going to put it out there on, like, you know, the interweb to come and check it out. and
0: Yeah, let, let me know. I'll definitely uh, do an emergency bonus podcast that says get out there, open house at uh, Alchemy Industries.
1: Yeah, no, it'd be good. And um, like I said, alchemy is going to be net loss for me for a couple of years. And that's fine. You know, I'll work harder doing Monkey Ranch and, uh, you know, taking side hustle gigs on the weekend just to make money to do what I can to feed it to alchemy, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, So.
0: What type of classes do you want to set up right away?
1: Well, it's like I said, it's. Right away, the Thursdays and the Tuesdays, build, destroy, build. Because um, that's everything from, you know, like I said, it's fun because it's like we're making air cannons and welding and black. You know, it's like it's a free-for-all of, you know, just awesome because the kids will actually feed off each other's ideas. That's mm-hmm. the best part. You know, you've got a couple kids doing this here and here and then they're like, oh, oh, you know. And so you get that cross-building ability so all of a sudden two separate projects turn into one monstrous mm-hmm. you know thing collaboration and, yeah. yeah you know so it's it's great seeing especially kids that you see first come in and they're the type of kids that are they're very shut down and inside their box and all of a sudden they're working collaborate you know, collaboratively together with other kids. And parents just like, well, no, he doesn't like working with others. It's like, well, look at him over there. It sure looks like he's enjoying himself now with that group.
0: Yeah, don't generalize your kid.
1: Yeah, well, it's, kid's it's always a, growing. Exactly. And it's also a very different environment than your typical classroom, you know, which is right. still, even in 2023, very much sitting at a desk, you know.
0: Yeah. and uh, It's funny you bring that up because that was a problem um, with my son since preschool he can't just sit, you know, and now you look at um, working from home and stuff. And all these tech jobs, you know, they got the blue glasses, they got the air, uh, the, the different seating the stand up, sit down, you know, roll around desks, at, or three in one, yeah. um, so you can keep moving, keep you moving, they have the treadmills under the desks, you know, they, they've now accepted it in the real workplace that you know just sitting staring is just not good and i'd always get these complaints from the teacher that he can't sit still well yeah let him stand up for a minute you know he's it's not like he's not engaged continue to engage him but give him the freedom to you know get out of that chair once in a while do what he needs to do to be successful yeah yeah and so. he's done quite well but you know he's had to make it clear at times to say to the teacher hey i just can't sit for 45 minutes. I'm a very active person. I can't just sit. So, if I stand up, stretch him for a second, doesn't mean disrespect to, towards you. And yeah. He's got it all sorted now, but, uh, well,
1: yeah, I, just, I, I like, get Don't that. get me started about education. Because honestly, like...
0: No, I love your views on education. Well, I, I feel, think that I that's f- the most conversations feel we've really,
1: had. I uh, disheartened by public education, primarily because these teachers are working so hard. And, like, their pay is you know like you can barely the yeah. pay is ridiculous the classroom sizes are not functional for actually teaching basically with the classroom sizes dictated by the state of washington you're doing classroom management you're just mm-hmm. trying to manage a large group of bodies you know like it's it's almost you know the private sector and the public education system it it takes a while for it to trickle down to the state. Yeah, in actuality. Yeah. It does eventually. It just takes a lot longer than it should, which is why, like, I stopped very early on teaching public education because um, I originally started teaching down in Chula Vista um, and uh, went into the private school sector, mm-hmm. you know, where in I Seattle, had – In Seattle, right? Yep. I had 12 kids. Right. Yeah. You know? That's a good size group to work with. Yeah. Not, not 28 – Exactly, twenty eight or when I was in Chula Vista teaching first grade, forty two kids, unbelievable, in a portable. Like serious, yeah, yeah. Like and like no, no fire no marshal AC there or anything. Like it was, it was ridiculous, and so you really weren't getting much teaching done. You know, it's so it's yeah, um, and then a lot of the kids that do have those needs
0: don't get the attention.
1: Yeah, um, I you know leveling lovingly have always used the term throwaways or like the kids that show up at my place um my lost children because mm-hmm. they're the ones that fall off the edges you know um
0: yeah, well i think of it you know there's not much other than after school sports
1: there you know there's the great
0: robotic um team at the high school
1: mm-hmm.
0: but I, and you know there's a nature walk here and there um but there's not consistency learning a trade anywhere
1: well they're they're changing that they've they've re um classified now they call it maker spaces so they're yeah, doing yeah. makers classes which is those are kind of cool well they are they're basically the trades but uh you know shop class metal shop the, these things still for a lot of folks have a negative connotation to them as less than or less important than college education. Mm-hmm. So they changed it to maker creative you know like yeah. to to not use those words which is you know to I me mean, a little disgusting because it's you know like it's ridiculous too like but it's a reality and so they're going that route and kids are you know like they're gearing it back up which is mm-hmm. awesome you know it's just been in the last 2 3 years yeah. Um, I
0: mean, try to call a plumber or electrician and see how fast that works for you,
1: you yeah, know? No, exactly. <laughs> there's,
0: a, there's a need for it. And, um, you know, how, how many things do we manufacture in other countries? Because we just don't have the skill set and the manufacturing
1: ideas here. No, yeah. We just don't have the labor force. That's the scary part. I mean, I'm 48. Um, and, like, when I'm forced to retire, like, my retirement's going to be a pine box. I don't know if there's going to be anybody to replace me other than probably my son, Gunner, you know. But mm-hmm. the the interest and stuff isn't out there because it hasn't been promoted as something feasible, you know. Um, and, like, quite honestly, like, if I wasn't self-employed and such a sucky businessman, I'd actually be making a pretty good living, you know. <laughs> like, it's so yeah. – and when you talk um,
0: about teacher salaries you know, it's much different here in Washington um than say a place like Arizona you know is mm-hmm. three times yeah it costs a little bit more to live here too but the idea of how they treat their teachers over there compared to here is much worse and it's like we need to incentivize not only the adults but but the kids too yeah you know if you enjoy making things i want to encourage you to make things not yeah. say hey that's a lesser class
1: idea. Yeah. So it is changing, but like anything, it's just going to take some time. And again, you know, with like alchemy and stuff, um, I've had kids uh, early on, like pre-COVID, when alchemy was really starting to take root, and then COVID kind of shut us all down. But, you know, I had two kids that parents sent them summer camps, and they both ended up going to school and becoming welders. And, Mm. They're set. One of them works two months out of the year up in Alaska. And gosh, Devin's gosh should be like twenty-two now, somewhere around there. Already owns a house, free and clear. Last time I saw him a couple like a couple years ago, he drove up. Brand new Tahoe. No payments. Like like Yeah, well, you you think of all the welding in the shipyards and the navy and
0: you know, just anything with metal, if you want to connect it,
1: it needs to be welded yeah and so, if you're a certified welder or like oh god forbid if you're they call it nuke welding, if you're welding on uh submarines and- i mean the, the incredible money great benefits do it a couple of years and get out, you know, mm-hmm. and you're set, so
0: it's kind of it's relaxing hard. too, seeing the bubbles and going around in circles and
1: yeah, yeah. no, but it's you know it, it is that, you know, it's it's pretty hard labor, but at the same time it's rewarding if like for me, like I enjoy working. Yeah. You know? So it's all good until that weld breaks, right? <laughs> yeah, you know it's just that you have to make sure it doesn't. <laughs> oh, just uh Chrisanne cr- will flag you on that. Uh, <laughs> crazy
0: question though. What does like a welding rod cost nowadays?
1: A single one or
0: Um, you buy it in
1: bundles. Yeah. Um gosh, it depends on the um Depends on the greater rod, but uh you buy it by the pound basically um you know on a pound of inexpensive rod that's non structural steel, say about oh, eighty bucks, and then you know a couple couple years back it was maybe thirty dollars, yeah, but steel's like that too four by eight sheet of um a quarter inch plate now is almost six hundred dollars, and five years ago it was like a hundred and change so
0: yeah and I just loved some of the work that you do um i would love to hire you to do more work at my house but uh i i would think i would get into a project that's just way above my head <laughs> there's so, so many designs you know that like the privacy fences with the mu- you have one of those
1: uh metal C- cnc plasma cutter yeah plasma
0: yeah. cutters that yeah. has to be expensive to maintain
1: um it's actually not too bad to maintain um because i do the maintenance myself. If I hired somebody to do it again, it's just like it's time or money and I ain't got no money. So I make time. Um, but it's also nice to just know how y- your equipment functions. So you're not having to wait two weeks for somebody to come out and repair it, mm-hmm. you know, um, same with the trucks. It's like I'm great, big, ridiculous work trucks. And when they break, you know, like you gotta just, deal with it. Otherwise, you know, take it to the shop. Well, we're a month and a half out. We'll get to it. It's just like, I can't wait that long. Yeah.
0: I'm surprised you, you just hit project after project after project because there's quite a few um, established architects and construction companies that value
1: your skill set as Monkey wrench uh, Most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> so. There's a certain engineer I had a conversation with um, where it was literally like this is a really pretty picture, but gravity doesn't work this way. I uh, did the math. I'm not doing this. This is gravity doesn't work this way. And yeah, uh, so do I don't know.
0: feel um, scared of lawsuits like that?
1: No, that's why the engineer has to sign off on, like, so I'll do, uh, I'll get architectural drawings and then we do what are called shop drawings, um, of how everything connects and fits. And then those are sent for review to the, um, uh, to the architect and the engineer. To make sure everything is legitimate and to scope
0: weight bearing and all that, yep,
1: exactly. Um, and then once that's stamped, then we build from there. Okay. So, um, that's the sterile side of things, but it's important, you know, because like, <laughs> <the sterile side. laughs> well, it's like you know, like very complex things, but they are very simple, like a large let's say eight thousand pound I beam that is holding up the roof in the new police station that's uh thirty two feet long. Um with two posts holding it up and getting it through a four by four window and down a hallway and then yeah. lift it up by hand because you can't get a forklift in there. Um you know, so problem solving, but
0: you get a oh um as well as pay, did you get a get well get out a free jail card from the police when you worked on the station?
1: No, I think you know the joke was uh, from the PM. He's like, you know, the only reason why you're on this job. I'm like, no, tell me. He's like, I think the police just wanted to make sure they know where you're we at. I'm just <laughs> like, ah, eh, you're funny. <laughs> like, that so. is funny.
0: Hey, well, thanks for coming in today and. and Telling us a little bit about your uh, new location and and the skill sets that you provide for not only teaching, but in our community as well. You do excellent work, and I'm a big fan of both um, you and your um, residents. It uh, reminds me a a little bit of my upbringing with my father and uh, something I appreciate. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Uh, My pleasure. And um, you have a change.org drive right now to help? Defer some costs so you can get this class up right right away. And-
1: um, there's a uh, somebody that I you know honestly really don't know that well took it upon himself to start a GoFundMe, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: and do you n- remember what that's called?
1: What the GoFundMe? It's actually linked right on the Alchemy Industrial Arts dot website, um, and on the Alchemy Arts Facebook page as well.
0: You're at Alchemy IndustrialArts.org. That's Mm -hmm. your website, and you can find more information out there. Jeremy Lurch, thank you for your time today. All right. Thanks, Tim. You've been listening to Bystander. Be kind.